Well, hey, church, welcome back to Food for Thought. This is our series where we're talking about food stories in the Bible and how God takes our natural and turns it into supernatural. So we're going to look at one of those stories today. Uh, but a few weeks ago, actually here in the lobby of our church, there was actually a wedding and it was my son's wedding. It was a small wedding, but we had this beautiful time of a wedding just right there in our lobby. And we got to welcome a daughter, a new daughter into our life. It's just a beautiful picture of what happens in Scripture. Because in Scripture, the Bible talks a whole lot about weddings. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but all throughout the Bible, there's this whole theme of God and His bride. In the Old Testament, it was always the, the country of Israel, the nation of Israel that was the bride of God. And then in the New Testament, it's the church. And so we see this beautiful picture of God and a bride, of a husband and a bride all throughout Scripture. And then at the very end of the book, at the very end of time, in the beginning of eternity, we see this picture come to a culmination in what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So let's look at this in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. It says this, just try to picture this in your mind. It says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Again, this is talking about the church coming and, and really entering into eternity with God. And it was granted her to clothe herself with with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints and the angel said to me write this blessed are those who are invited here it is to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these words are true these are the true words of god so here at the end of all of this, we have this marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, really, with everything that's going on in the world today, you kind of have to wonder, like, how close are we to this event happening? How close are we? Are we in the end times? Are we in the last days? How close are we to all of this happening? I mean, are we seeing what the book of Revelation talks about with like the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the plagues of death running through? Is this what we're seeing unfolding right in front of our eyes? I mean, we have all of these crazy things, you know, the things that people are talking about, like microchipping people and tracing people and, and, and following after people and Big Brother and all of these things that, that seem like this could be the mark of the beast. I mean, the Antichrist is Bill Gates, the Antichrist, you know, all of these things are being talked about and just it, it opens up the door to this conversation. Are we in the end times? And the Bible has a lot to say about the end times. In fact, 90% of the 27 New Testament books talk specifically about the end times or Jesus' return. The Bible, 30% of it, they say, is prophecy, and most of that has to do with the end times. So the Bible talks about the end times a lot, and there's all these different views of the end times. You guys will remember that not too long ago when we had all of this left behind craze, where all of the left behind books and talking about the rapture, and so there's all these theories about the rapture and the end times, and how do we interpret the book of Revelation? Even among scholars, there's different ways that they interpret 
interpret this or different approaches. Let me just give you four different ways that scholars are even approaching how to even interpret the book of Revelation. Number one, the first way to do this is what they call the historical view. And this is where prophecies are really about, all the prophecies in Revelation are about church history from the time of John to the end of the world. And so when you frame it in that way, it gives you a certain way to read the book of Revelation. Another way to look at it, and scholars look at this, is the preterist view, what they call the preterist view. And that's where it looks at it from the perspective that really most of the prophecies that you see in Scripture were fulfilled actually around the day of John in the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70 and all of those things that most of those, if not all of them, have already been fulfilled. And some people will take that approach. There's what's called the futurist view. And the the futurist view is basically where all of the the prophecies basically from chapter 4 on in the book of Revelation are still yet to be fulfilled or maybe are unfolding in front of our eyes right now. And then there's a fourth view which is called, some people call it the idealist view, which really they're they're saying it's not a historical thing at all. It's really all just an allegory to paint pictures and truths of, of how we are to live. And so even among scholars, there's all this debate about the end times and the rapture is there a rapture? Is it? Is there a second coming and a third coming? I mean, what about the tribulation? Are we in what the Bible calls the tribulation? Some people say, well, the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation. Some people say in the middle of the tribulation. Some people say after the tribulation. Have I brought up enough questions yet? <laughs> and there's a lot of confusion. And predictions can be fun. Predictions can be interesting. But then we come across this scripture in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. It says, but concerning that day, talking about the end times or the day when Jesus is to return, it says, an hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And so here we're told, you, you, nobody knows. But yet we're also encouraged to know the times and the seasons. So what do we do with all of this? You know, with all of these questions and everything that's going on today. Let me just tell you how Sean Phillips approaches this whole topic of end times and what's going on. And I'm going to simplify it maybe in a way that's too simple for some people. uh, But this is where I come down. No matter whether you believe the rapture, the third coming, the second coming, the pre-trib, the post-trib. Here's what it means for me. Jesus is coming. Live ready. And that's no matter what side you take. Jesus is coming. Live ready. I heard this story this week about a a seminary uh, basketball group. So they were going to Bible college, but they had a basketball team. But their gym, they didn't have one. So they used a local high school uh, to do their practices and games and different things like that. And so they were practicing one day using that gymnasium, a bunch of Bible college students. And and they're sitting in the stands was a janitor and he was reading his Bible. And so this kind of intrigued these Bible college students. So they went over there and they asked this janitor, they said, what are you what are you reading? And he says he's reading the the book of Revelation. And so they said, really? He's like, do you understand that? And he said, yeah, I do understand it. And these guys like are shocked because they're Bible school students and they're having a hard time understanding it. And so they, they were just intrigued and they said, well, what does it mean? And, and what does it say? And he simply said this, Jesus 
wins in the end. <laughs> and many people say that's the best, most simplistic, concise way to look at it all. Jesus wins in the end. So are we in the last days? Here's the tricky thing about it. Every generation has thought the same thing. I mean, even I just think about my parents' generation and when the barcodes started coming out, they started to say, well, maybe this is leading up to the mark of the beast that's going to happen. And, and we had Y2K. Some of you guys remember Y2K and a bunch of people thought that was it. Then in 2014, I believe it was, you had the, the blood moons and everybody was saying that's the beginning of the end times. And so are we at the beginning of the end times? And the way I would answer it is I really don't think we're at the beginning of the end times. If anything, we're more closer to the end of the end times than the beginning of the end times. Why do I say that? Because even Peter said that he was in the last days. Believe it or not, Peter tells us exactly the start of the last days. And we could see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. It says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So he tells about the prophecy that Joel had about the last days. And he reads it and he says, in the, in the last days it shall be that God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, Peter declared that what happened on the day of Pentecost was the fulfillment or the start of the fulfillment of that very verse. So we could say it this way, that the last days actually started on the day of Pentecost. And we've been in the last days ever since. So are we at the beginning of the end? I'd say we're closer to the end of the end. Uh, rather than the beginning, because every generation has thought the same thing. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us back to this idea, Jesus is coming, live ready. Now you might say, well, if, if, why even study this stuff then? If we're, I mean, if we're instructed to, we don't, aren't even going to know when it happens or, but we're instructed also to not be ignorant of it. What's the point of even studying this stuff? And I think the point is this. It's not so much so that we can figure every single detail out and write a book about it. I think it's so that our heart and our attention gets oriented towards the bigger things of God, towards what God is doing in the bigger picture. When we study these things, our heart starts to lean in towards the bigger picture of Scripture. And so that's when we, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb. It starts to intrigue our heart. It starts to pull our heart back to the heart of God, what God is going to do in the end of all this thing, in the beginning of eternity. And, and there's another place in Scripture where Jesus actually talks about this banquet, this big wedding banquet that has a lot of things that we can learn from in this story that Jesus shares. And so since this is food for thought, let's cook some food. All right, so I am with the newlyweds, my son, Sean, and my new daughter-in-law, Caitlin. And so we are talking about weddings and the banquets. And so I was thinking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I'm wondering, like, what are we going to have at the marriage supper of the Lamb? And so I have no clue, did some research. I don't know what it's going to be. And so I thought I'd ask the newlyweds. And so I said, if you could have anything at your reception, and you didn't care what people thought, and you didn't care if anybody else ate it at all, what would you have at your wedding reception? And they said? Sushi. 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 <laughs> I don't, I've, I have had a bad experience with sushi, okay? So today's going to be very interesting. I don't know anything about how to prepare it. I've had bad experiences, and uh, we're just going to see how this goes. So what do we do first? Uh, first we have to cook the rice. All right, let's cook some rice. I don't know how to cook the rice. What do we do? Yeah, uh, you guys just go ahead and start. Okay, I'll start the rice. 
Okay, what do we have to, oh, we have to turn on the oven or the stove. That's generally what we do uh, to do that. So they're going to start cooking that. And I'm going to take a look at the story that we talked about, that Jesus talked about uh, back in the Gospels about the wedding banquet that we've been talking about. It's in Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. And it says this, it says, but he said to them, to him, a man once gave a great banquet, invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and there still is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and to the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. And so you got to understand this is a story of people who've been invited to the banquet, but they got distracted with all sorts of other things. And so we, we see that happen over and over and over again. The first guy made excuses. The second guy made excuses. The third guy made excuses. You got to understand in ancient times when they would give an invitation like this, what, they would give you the day, but they wouldn't give you the exact time because they would go off and they would prepare it just like we're having to do right now. And so when they would come and get it all prepared, then they would go in and they tell them, hey guys, it's ready. And if people who were invited didn't show up, then food would be wasted. And that's exactly what we see happen. Everything that we see in this from verse 20 uh, and up or beyond before that was all talking to people who had been invited, yet they got, they got distracted with urgent things instead of important things. And so we're cooking rice. This is going to take a while, isn't it? Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Okay, it's done now, I think, so we're just going to roll with this, um, and I have no idea what to do. So you guys are going to instruct me on what to do, because uh, I don't eat sushi. So what's the first step here? What have we got to uh, do? Add in the rice vinegar. Add in the rice vinegar. Put just put some in there, huh? Yep, just, just put some in there. Is that good? good? Okay, that's good. Then... Okay. Why are you even here, Sean? Are you even like... I'm it, helping. Moral support. Okay. Yeah, moral support. Good. Okay. And then assess me how, just however much you feel like. Just, just pour it in the rice? Yeah. Okay. Rice, just, however much you feel like. Ooh, that was a lot. There you go. Okay. Um, ooh, that smells weird. We're going to mix it. We'll it. Okay. We're going to mix. Okay. We're going to mix this up. Ooh, that's a little warm. Okay. We're going to mix this up. So um, as we're doing this, um, just remind you that the, the story, it talks about how they basically were, were dealing with urgent things, but not important things. And I, I just, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm wondering like, why is that? And I think it's because, um, that many times we think that the banquet is all about us. I mean, that's what these guys thought the banquet was about them. And if the banquet's about them, then basically you can find reasons why it's not convenient. But the truth is the banquet is about the king, and it's about other people. And so they found excuses. All right, that's pretty much done, yeah. I think. So what do I do with this now? Um, and so next, I guess, we'll move on to the other stuff. So cut up your avocado. Cut up the avocado. That's that's not very good instructions there. Is it cut like a oh. lemon? <laughs> you cut through the pit. No. I've never seen anyone what? do that. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do here? I really don't You're know. You're supposed to cut around the pit. 
it, but I guess that works. What do I, can I like squeeze it out now? Hey, this works, sure. look at that. Ha, I've designed a brand new way to do this. This is I've awesome. I've never seen anyone do that like that. Look at that, look at that. Okay, okay. now what do I do? Um, do I take this take, off? Yeah, take the peel. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do from here. Okay, so do I just dump it out? Sure. Okay, it's we're just, just gonna, gonna get thrown in the We're just gonna do that. That's gonna be so, fine there. Okay. And then just cut it into slices however you feel. It's not really good. sliceable anymore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is really not going as planned here. <laughs> I have no literally I have no idea how to do this. I, I okay. So just about, slice it. Yeah, I didn't think about having to explain how to that's cut an avocado. That's good. Okay. That's that, good. That's um, fine. Would you like a towel? Okay. Okay. So now what do we do here? Do we take we this little. Okay, we chop. Some little bits do I put that in there? No. Oh, no. crud. I mean, you could. What am I doing? I don't you're even gonna, know. Just like chop it up. Into it. Yeah, get some like bits off. Just like that? Like, yeah. Like, you can't, like, I feel like I'm Bob Ross making a palette to paint from here. <laughs> I think that's good. Okay. That's, okay. That's probably, Is that's this. Probably Wherever. Okay. Textured side up like, like that. Like this, okay? Mm -hmm. And then put your rice on that. All right, we're we're, we're doing this, folks. We're really doing this. Flat, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're just gonna make. Are we just basically making a burrito out of this thing? Yeah, it's like it's like a non okay. That's yeah. that's a lot there. Okay, now what? Just spread it out so you can use your get your hands wet so they don't stick and spread it. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that looks awesome. Yeah, see? That did and work. Like over the whole thing. The whole oh, the whole thing. thing yeah, rice. you can get, get more rice. Oh, the whole thing with rice? Yeah, the yeah. whole thing with rice. Okay. Whole thing. Well, that's going to be like a lot. Yeah, I think you, you're good okay. there. And then, yes, yeah, smooth it out. Do you out. think the rice is like the bread of the sandwich? This really smells bad, guys. It, it won't taste bad. It, you don't taste it. Okay. Just make it sticky. That looks good. But yeah, spread it all out. All right. Even and smooth and however Good enough. Like. That's that's how I like it right there. Okay. And then so we're gonna since we want the seaweed on the inside, we're gonna flip it. We're gonna flip it. You're gonna flip I'm it. I'm just gonna turn it over? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Won't the rice fall? No, it's stuck on. That's the point of the texture inside. Oops, hang on. There you go. Okay. There you go. And then lay your ingredients like there. Like this? Line. Yes, however you feel led to do it. Well and then I'm, you can add some crab in there. Okay. That's good. Okay, just add some crab. Now, yep. is this real crab? It's imitation crab. I don't know. I get a little nervous about people imitating things. So, okay. It's fish. So there we go. And then That's it. You're gonna just roll it up like this. The other way. Oh, this way. This way. And yeah, try okay. to push, like push it. Oh, it's falling apart. Okay. Okay. And roll it. <laughs> Hold on. Am I supposed to? It's not working. You've got to tuck. Yeah, it's I'm, kind of falling apart. I'm rolling it. That's how mine looked on Saturday. Okay, hold on. Uh, yeah. And you can just cover that with rice. So that actually, yeah. It's actually okay. not that yeah, bad. it's actually not that bad. Woo! It looks a little messy. And then you just rice. cut it into You know, in, pieces. when this was all, um, when the Bible was being written and the Gospels and stuff, Rome was like at its like peak mm -hmm. of economy. And um, I heard one professor uh, at a seminary recently say that at these banquets, they used to have like the rich was like super rich and the poor was like super poor. So it was kind of sad because the rich was super rich, mm -hmm. the poor was super poor. But at some of these banquets, they would even have like, like the delicacy, the main menu would be peacock tongue. So imagine how many peacock tongues it would take for you to actually be filled up. And then imagine a whole banquet oh of gosh. peacock 
tongues and filling that up. And so it was like, so imagine like the delicacy of all of that and the extravagance of all that. And then you just decide not to show up to the banquet. And so it was like a, such a picture of God's love in this story, how he invites the poor to this extravagant banquet. And that's like a picture of God's love. So um, we are going to, should I just try it? You have to uh, chop you it. Chop, oh, you cut it in pieces. Okay. All right. So there's, there you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, just dig in, guys. Yeah, it's a masterpiece here. It's like modern art. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking one for the team because I don't like this. <laughs> I think it tastes good. What's getting you? Is it, is it seaweed again? I'm trying to decide what it tastes like. <laughs> tastes like sushi. Kind of its own thing. Ma'am, I'm so thankful that we've been invited to the banquet. I just really hope there's not sushi in heaven. <laughs> all right, so as we wrap up here, I want to give you guys three questions to ask about all of this. The end times, the last days, and all of this stuff. So three questions that we need to really ask ourselves. And the first question is this. Are you so in love with this world and this life that you would be sad if Jesus came? I think the sad thing is some of us would be sad if Jesus came and interrupted the life that we're living right now. And think about how, how ironic that is, how crazy that, that thought is, and yet it happens. We see that in the story of the banquet. They all gave excuses. The one guy said, hey, I've, got a, I, you know, I've been invited to this banquet, but I really want to go check out this property that I've bought. Another guy is like, hey, I just got some oxen. I want to go test drive them. I got a new car. I want to go test drive it. Another guy said, hey, I got married. I don't really want to interrupt that for this banquet deal that you got going on. It's almost like the story, the parable of the sower and the weeds that end up choking out the, the true desire that we should have for God because of the cares of this life. I used to think when I was a kid, and maybe some of you guys have had this thought, but I remember growing up and I, I would think about the end times and I would think about the rapture or Jesus coming and, and I, would, I would pray this prayer like Jesus, like he's going to listen to me but, uh, about this and rearrange all of history and time for me. But I used to think and, and pray this, God, please do not return until I get married. Just, just hold off and, and until I can actually get married. And some of you guys have had thoughts like that too, like I want to do this in life before you return. And, and some of that's not all bad, but if we're honest, some of us would maybe be sad if Jesus came and interrupted what we have going on. Maybe not now in this time, but maybe after this time, you know? And so we have to be careful. They used to have a saying in the early church, and it was this, this phrase, Maranatha, this word Maranatha. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 and 21, it says this, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. And that used to be a greeting that the believers, early believers, would have with one another. They would, they would greet one another and they would say, Our Lord comes. Instead of saying hello or giving a fist bump, Our Lord comes. Because that was on their heart. This desire, this excitement that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Live ready. Listen, I've been around some older believers who maybe were getting closer to that time where they were going to meet Jesus face to face. And, and with a lot 
of them, I can just tell you what it seems like. It seems like they have one foot here and one foot in eternity. It's like it kind of gets blurry for them. Like their heart is in two different places. And they truly have this feeling, like Paul said, that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. They have that longing in their heart, that Maranatha. Are are we so in love with this life that we'd be sad if Jesus came and, and interrupted that? I just want to remind you as best I can of what it's going to be like one day. Can you just imagine when you get to meet God face to face? I mean, imagine the creator of everything, the ancient of days, you walking into this to the throne room of God. You feel so small, but yet your heart is so alive. Can you imagine just hearing and seeing everything that would be in a moment like that? See, there needs to be a longing in us that longs for Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Question number two is this. Are you so caught up in his coming that you're of no value in the here and now? See, so many times we can get so distracted with all the predictions and all the the mark of the beast and what's happening in the conspiracy theory of this or that or the other and the timelines and the books and all this stuff that we end up spending all of our time getting so distracted with things and we forget our purpose that God does have a purpose for us right now. You know that old saying, you're so heavily minded, you're of no earthly good. Uh, there was a guy uh, named Edgar, and he was a uh, used to be a former uh, NASA rocket engineer scientist or something like that, and he was also a Bible scholar, and, and he wrote a book, and I've talked about it before, but he wrote a book, not to pick on the guy, but it is interesting. He wrote a book, and it was called this, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Newsflash, we're still here, okay? So obviously it didn't happen. Uh, but he had all of these predictions and, and that it was all going to happen between September 11th and September 13th. And, and then when that didn't happen, he published a second book and then he continued to publish other books. But millions of copies were sold. And what happened as a result was millions of, or tons of people uh, were affected by this. And people, uh, some people quit their jobs because they thought it was going to happen right then. Some people stopped paying their bills uh, because they it was going to happen right there. Some people just went out and bought a bunch of stuff because it's like, hey, we're going up after this. And so people were so caught up in this idea that they stopped living for the purpose that they were put on this earth for. And part of the reason we're here uh, along the way as we're waiting for come Lord Jesus is to populate heaven along the way. God has a mission for us. Don't get so caught up in all the predictions and all the theories that we miss the point of what it's all about. Time is short. We've got to be about the Father's business. Third question is this, and I'll just wrap it up with this. And this is a really important question that I really don't, I don't want just this to, to pass over you. You might have to write this down and ponder this later. But here's the question. If you knew Jesus was coming back this evening, what would you change? If you knew Jesus is coming back tonight, what would you change? What conversation would you have with somebody? What forgiveness would you grant? What grace would you give? What thing would you rearrange about your life? What thing about your priorities? What, what habits would you drop? What conversations that seem so important now don't seem to have the, the value that they have if you know that Jesus is coming? What would you change? If Jesus, if you knew Jesus was coming, what would you change? This earth is not our home. Uh, Let me just keep it simple as we wrap up. Jesus is coming. Live ready.
And that's the, the question I want to leave with some of you guys. And it's this, are you ready to meet Jesus? Like if Jesus were to come tonight, are you ready? Some of you guys say, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to meet Jesus. I, I'm not in fellowship with God. I'm not right with God. If I stood before the ancient of days, I'm, I'd be terrified. See, for those of us who are in Christ, when we think about this idea of standing before the ancient of days, our heart starts to jump and to leap and we get excited about that and amazed by that possibility. And yet if you're not in Christ, there's, there's an ultimate fear that comes and a terror that comes to meet God. But I'm telling you, if you're not ready to meet Jesus, you can be ready. The Bible says that we can receive his grace by faith. That what we believe in our heart, if we confess with our mouth, we can start this journey with Jesus. And if you're here today watching this and you know you are not ready to meet Jesus, you can be. And I want to help you do that. And so if you can feel that in your heart right now and you say, I need to get right with God, let me help you. And you do that by simply praying this prayer that I'm going to lead you in that starts you on the journey with Jesus. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I believe you died for me and I thank you for that. I believe you rose from the dead. I, I believe that you offer me life. I believe that your grace can wash away all my sins and I believe that by faith. I turn from my old life and I turn to you and I say, God, I'm all in. Lord, I surrender all. I want to start to follow you. I want to walk with you. From this point on, God, I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you guys to let us know. We have a link there on our page, on our website, thejourneykc.com, journeykc.com slash the 411, where you can see a salvation link. And if you would just click on that, we have some next steps we would love to help you take on your journey with Jesus. Maranatha, I'm, I'm hopeful for Jesus to come. I'm anticipating it. And at the same time, I believe God's got a lot for us to do in the meantime. So thank you guys for watching Food for Thought. We'll see you next time.